And now, Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. Check, 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 check. I'm the top one. Check, 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 check. Check, check, check. Closer, closer. Yeah, that's not going to clip. Okay. I got this lingering sneeze. It's not... Look at the light. Look doesn't at the light. work for me. Uh, that's never worked for me either. Yeah, works for Caitlin. Just go away. <laughs> Uh, okay. All right. I'm Matthew Martinson. I'm Gordon McLattery. This is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. Welcome to you, it. Yeah. You know, I realized that I'm like, I always lead that, so I always say the second part. We need to switch that up sometimes. No, it's the opening. All right. Okay. There it is. Yeah. Real catchy. <laughs> I get comments. Yeah. No. No. Never. No. It doesn't overstay its welcome. No, no. It, it's, it's, it comes and goes really, really quickly. <laughs> Give it that. Um, so uh, here we are again, doing another one. Yeah. Uh, got any announcements this time before we get into it? Uh, announcements? No. I'm. We've got one brewing. Ooh. Pretty exciting one next for month? my for my ego next month. Yes. Next month. All right. I'm pretty sure Look it'll be next to month. It. Yeah. Uh, by the time this comes out, I will have done a talk at the Full Indie Summit mm-hmm. about failure. Uh, but you'll still be in time to catch me and Kevin talk about reels at GameSoundCon. Yeah, go to that. Go to that. Come see us talk about all the stuff we've learned. We've reviewed over 110 reels now. Holy cow. So it's, it's interesting. That's like hiring one person at a AAA company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> you would probably go through all of that just for one job. <laughs> I'm so thankful I get shielded from so much of that here. Yeah, like, right. Like the, the our support people rarely send that stuff through to me when, they, but it's like, okay, I really think this person's interesting, so I'll send right. it to you. Oh, oh, you got screeners, huh? Yeah, I don't oh, have to. Nice. Because people, okay, not what we're talking about this time, but if you're looking for work, don't use support ticket systems to try and like backdoor way you're into getting a contact with somebody. Yeah, like. No, I mean, don't do like. Oh, a support ticket. Yeah, that's where the, a lot of them come from. That it's is like, very... I've got a bug in your game, and your bug is that you didn't hire me to do the sounds. <laughs> that's pretty indirect. Yeah. <laughs> but most of the time, that's not going anywhere useful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So don't do that. I just thought you meant like a website form. And I mean, we get applications through website forms all the time, and that's yeah. perfectly fine. Yeah. Because I, like, I love it way better than Russian bot spam. Mm. For yeah. sure. I'll, I'll take a bad reel over Russian bot spam <laughs> any day. Uh, I challenge you to send me a, a reel that's so bad, I appreciate the bot spam more. I have one in mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I heard a reel that was SoundCloud only and it was taken from Audio Jungle. Sounds that that person did create and was selling on Audio Jungle, but they just took the preview files that had audio jungle. Audio Why jungle. would they do? They had the originals. Yep. It was so confusing. It was very confusing. Well, I know. <laughs> that was the biggest thing. I know you like, don't have a good backup system. It's like, I don't I don't know why this was done this way. It's not it's not ripping anybody off. It's not stealing. Like it was like You nope. could have bought you I, could have even bought your sounds. I don't I didn't understand. And you would have got at least most of the money. Yeah, it was it was really weird. <laughs> all right. All right. Oh. That would feel like a bigger waste of my time. 
Yeah, then then like, the spam I get is so weird. It's just like random generated stories. It's not. Right. It's I not all. Those. Yeah, it's not all Viagra and stuff. It's yeah. like just gibberish. And then there's some with link. a link at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. I, get I like, used to get some of those. Like ten dark. a day. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, so game audio. Game audio. Something came up on Twitter recently that. Yeah, two things. Two things that got us both thinking in the same direction. Yeah. Thing number one, um, Aaron mm-hmm. from Unreal. Yep. Uh, we were talking about you were talking about being a grumpy Foley person. Yes. And that the, the, the definition of Foley that the definition and misuse of the word Foley in game audio bothered you, and it then did. become one of those people that's bothered by the misuse of the word Foley in game audio. Capital F, by the way. Yeah. And uh, Aaron. Aaron rightly questioned it, I think, yep. because yep. it is really confusing. Yes. And we're not going to go into it right now. No. It's going to be part of this next section this that broader, we're going to go over. Yes. Um, in a big way. The second tweet that we noticed was from William Cheer, who's the developer of Manifold Garden. Mm-hmm. And he was basically like, I'm going to start the sound design process for my game. I don't think he was necessarily looking for someone to hire, or maybe he was. He just wanted to know more about it. Yeah, my my impression my impression was he was probably going to try and do it himself, but he didn't know anything. So he yeah. was like, where do I learn about this stuff? What do I ah, – questions. So we were like, go to the podcast, but then we do realize it's three years' worth of content. Yeah. And uh, that's going to take a while. And we have we realized we have never done an episode that is just a – here's your basic dictionary of game audio. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. This is a long one. This is a very long one. We're recording this after we recorded it, and we're just like, damn, this is a long one. So, footnote, not a footnote, header, header. This yeah. is the header, I don't know, to it. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to throw a lot of information at you, and hopefully you're going to get a lot out of this and learn a lot, but we know we've missed stuff. We yeah. know we've there's holes, or we didn't explain stuff well enough, or we were wrong. Mm-hmm. So, you the listeners, please... Shoot us questions after you've listened to this about what what we can fill in for you. Yeah. And next podcast, we'll really dig into those questions and fill in even more about what you're going to learn in this podcast. Right. Okay, back to the end. Back to the end. <laughs> um, one of the other things, too, that got me spurned on this bit, too, was there was a Game Audio Slack conversation about somebody who was being asked to come in and work for a day with somebody sitting over their shoulder of, like, how do you do everything? Can we learn it in a day, please? Yeah. Your which, career. <laughs> right. Which I'm not going to get into, but yeah. it, it does, it brings up the question that, or I don't know, question. It brings it up that that's a, a developer that just doesn't know anything about audio. So they mm-hmm. can't talk effectively to their to a potential sound person or anything either. Because they just, they obviously, if you think you can learn it today, you don't, you don't get it. You don't know. So this, this so, will hopefully be the episode that, Sound designers can send to devs, yep. and devs can find themselves as well. We'll push it around. Yeah. To just give you an overview yep. um, of what's involved and why we even have jobs in the first place, I think. Because Years. I think some people <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't that. think we're very necessary. Um, did you say ears? Ears. It's all that's, the, that's why we have yeah, jobs is the, ears. It's the golden ears. 
Well, I just meant because humans have ears. That's oh, why yes. we need a job. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. people listen Almost to Almost all humans have ears. Uh, okay, so we're gonna, we were thinking it would be nice to take it through, we'll take you through the life cycle of a sound effect. Yes. Um, however, there are a bunch of different sound effects, so. Their be... different life cycles are different because of the different kinds of sounds they are. Exactly. So, so starting at the top. Yes. SFX. Sound effects. Sound effects is all of it. It's all of it. It's that that's the umbrella term. Yeah. And this is interesting because in post audio, yeah. it's not. Right. So if you're doing sound for a film, sound effects are a very specific, they're they're in a very specific group. Mm-hmm. And this is gonna bring us into the confusion with Foley a little bit yeah. later on. But in games, sound effects generally pretty big umbrella. Um I would say too, in in that regard, uh film has has very much broken audio up into a bunch of components and then very specific people have jobs of looking after those yes. sounds yeah. in different ways. Uh, in game audio, we're just a big mishmash. There's not as split up anywhere near the way there is. Yeah. We still in, split things up and we call them things, but... But there, as there job is, titles, we don't split them up into like, like, right, you only do this and you only do that. It's much more of like, well, you do all of those things. Yeah, especially in indie. Yeah. Yeah. Triple A, you will find specialists in certain things, but um, but we don't still don't. I still, I would still say we don't specialize the way film does. No, you know, we definitely we have, have our specialists. We have dialogue people, and we have, but we don't. We, we don't have foley people. You might hire a foley person, but then yeah. you do something, and then you don't like have a, a sound effects cutter and yeah. mixer and. Yeah. Okay, we're already getting yeah sidetrack Ter- terminology. Okay. So. Going back to it. So we've yeah. got this big umbrella of so- sound effects, SFX. Yes. What is inside this umbrella? This becomes very dependent on what game you're doing. But generally... Some, some things will have some of these. Some games will yeah. have all of these. Some might only have one of these categories. Um, Say we have so, a virtual world with a character running around in that world. Right. Okay. It's a good start. We, we, we will need... With a tennis racket. All right. And a tennis ball. Is it a tennis game? And they're in the forest. Forest tennis. It's forest tennis. Forest tennis simulator 2017. Yeah, that's our. That's okay. That's our game. Copyright Bakaiga 2017. <laughs> uh, so there's an, there's ambience as a broad category, also known as BGs sometimes, which is a film. Yep. Term. Um, I might. It might even be just a BC film term. Really. But, alert, but I say BGs. A lot of VFS grads say BGs. Say BGs. Yeah. Uh, back, which it stands for backgrounds. Yep. And backgrounds are split up into a few things. There's beds. And beds beds are the general sound of an environment. So if you're in a room, and from a film perspective, a lot of these things have started in film and then have been carried over into games. Yep. So bear with me on the fact that I'm going to repeat that a whole bunch. Yep. Um, the ambiences, the bed ambiences, are kind of the invisible things that are creating the environment's mm-hmm. sound. Uh, so they, in our forest, our tennis forest, yeah. they might be... Some rustling, some wind in the trees, yeah. some creaking of trees. Um, there is a very... Unseen sp- squirrel. No. Maybe not. That's different. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, there is also the a, a very specific bed called a room tone. Yes. That is used for interior spaces that yeah. um, is totally a, a holdover from film where when you're recording a, a scene, you're shooting a scene in a film, you will record... The sound of that room with nobody doing anything in it. So you get the tone 
of the room. Because if you're recording dialogue, you will always have that tone in every dialogue recording. So you need so to you need fill in to, the spaces where you Yeah, you use fill to fill in those spaces. We don't really do fill in games. No. But, but we do use room tone um, because yeah, it's realistic. Totally. Yeah, and if, if you want an interior ambience bed, a room tone. Yeah. Um, so then you've got this this bed, and then we put something on those beds. Yeah, so the bed is like the dough of the pizza. Yeah, so we've got to put the toppings on, yeah. make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, these go by many names... Uh, almost as many sound designers as there is, there will be names for it. And these are split into two subcategories, too, I realize. Yeah. Because we will have, so, and I don't even know if they're defined in a certain way, but so, but basically these are all, these are going to be the sound effects that are singular mm-hmm. um, and that occur in a specific, occur in a more l- locatable point. In uh, the 3D or 2D field, there the, the way I always think about it is these are the parts of the ambience that do call attention to themselves. Yes, so they need to be treated differently than the bed because if they were in the bed, they would always call attention to themselves in the exact same spot in the exact same time, and you'd be like, I "Because beds are made of loops." And what is a loop? A piece of audio that returns to the head after the tail and yeah. plays itself endlessly. Yeah. And so, and a th- another thing worth noting is that ambience, bed, amb- ambience beds need to ma- be made out of perfect loops. Yes. And a perfect loop means that when it gets to the end of the file and it starts itself over again, it can't tick. It, yep. So there is a certain way of editing to create those yep. uh, where it has to be edited at what's called a zero crossing, which is when the waveform crosses the the axis at the zero point. And you want the you want where that waveform is going to actually match up as well. They can't just reach both reach the zero point if it's going in a downward motion. Mm-hmm. It has to pick up in a downward motion. And it has to be going into the same sound basically yeah. again too. It can't you can't go in a downward motion on a waveform of a fire truck blast like horn blast and then just and then go into a dog bark a dog bark <laughs> doesn't work <laughs> you it might not tick <laughs> no 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 it won't tick but, but it won't but it would not be qual- it would not qualify as a seamless or perfect loop <laughs> no so we've got our ambience beds made out of perfect loops yep. on top of these and that's our pizza dough and then on top of these ambience beds we're doing what are called spec spot spec or spot ambiences or emitters e- emitters uh, we also refer to them too. There's a bunch. I, 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 there is other things that people call these as yeah. well. That's a thing. But these are singular sound effects that call attention to themselves. But they're not like sound effects. Yeah. Like they're not important to gameplay. No, they're, they're still they're environment. They're world builders. They're, yeah, they're world. So that's where you put your birds. Yeah. Or your squirrel. Your distant unseen the, dog. Your yeah. unseen squirrel that we were talking about before that's running through our forest. Yeah. Your Stellar's Jay. Yeah. We're not. BC's we're not, bird. We're not am- we're not making uh, these assets in a f- sense like there is no um, graphics for a squirrel. No, but a s- squirrel emitter can say, "Yeah, there's a squirrel over there, a little farther away. You can't see him, but he's there." Yeah. and and then your mind goes, "Ah, it's a full world with squirrels." But that's that's the other thing that is distinction that's made in film that isn't in games. Yep, is there can be graphics for it in games. Yep. So maybe maybe there is a hissing pipe or yep. a leaking fire hydrant, mm-hmm. and it's visual, and that will still be just be called a spot ambience, probably. Yep. Um, whereas in film, that would now be a sound effect. Right. Uh, or spec. No, spec ambiences are invisible. Mm-hmm. And 
other things are sound effects. If they're right. on screen and seen, they're sound effects. So that's a difference. Right. So, but ours in games, if they're not affecting gameplay, mm -hmm. they're just spot ambience. And I was going to say emitters are something that only we use, but with the way Atmos has come into film now mm -hmm. and that they can pan stuff around virtually, emitters are now a thing in film. That the there's a term that they use to yes to to mix in Atmos and some of the bigger one of the other. Uh, Surround formats. Yeah. So we're getting cross pollination of terms all over the place. <laughs> yep. It's getting weird. Um, yep. So ambiences are very important uh, for making, putting, putting your player in the world, basically. Yeah. And they're really fun to work on, too. Mm -hmm. I think everybody loves making ambiences because, because we are, we all got into this to make worlds. Yeah. Next up, um, the contentious Foley. Foley? Foley. Let's do Foley. All right. So, Foley is, was a person. Named something Foley. Mr. Foley. Mr. Foley. Um, that That is who it is named after, which mm -hmm. is why capital F. Yeah. Foley. Um, in film, where it was invented, created by Mr. Foley, um, it was, it is the sounds of a person that are performed by a Foley artist to picture so that it is in sync with the actions on the screen. So it's generally, you know, I think of it as it's all the all the stuff a person can do with their hands. So it's or feet. True, yes, yeah. or feet. So it's it's movement sounds, it's it's the sounds of their clothing movement, their footsteps, their hands grabbing a keys, handing handling a, a doorknob, putting keys in, like anything that the person does. Yes. That is performed by a foley artist yeah. to picture. And so foley Often gets roped into this all-encompassing, all sound effects world by people that have seen like a movie magic episode on sound effects because yeah. it's it's the most exciting to make a movie magic episode about. <laughs> yeah, because it's done in real time. It's yeah. active. So here's here's the picture of a foley stage. A foley stage is a big room. Um, it's a big room with a bunch of junk in it, just shelves and shelves of junk. And they get they get a huge movie screen and a projector. Yep. And then somebody's off in the back on a Pro Tools rig, uh, who's the Foley recordist. So they get their own recordist. So you've got the cordist, recordist, and then you have the walkers. Yeah. And the Foley walkers, their specific Which job are Foley artists. Who are Foley artists? Foley a walker walkers, is another thing. term for a Foley artist. Yep. And they get to they have to watch what's happening on screen and act it out with their props. Yeah, and so and they, in this giant room of all this stuff, they go, they look at the scene and go, okay, we're walking on a cement floor. So they get their little chunk of cement, yeah. and they go, these are the shoes that I'm going to use for that character, or, you know, I'm going to use these shoes, or whatever. Like, they pick out all the props that they fit, think fit the character of that person. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, they get deep. Like, they're, like, fully, Very like, deep. this is the shoe for that person because of X, Y, and Z. Like, yeah. that's, you know. This, this, this shoe has a certain character. There's a yeah. scene I always point people to, from the movie Barton Fink. Yep. Uh, the character Lou, he's, he's, it's in the office, Barton, Barton Fink's office, where the, the movie producer guy's like, just, you know, yammering, yammering, on and on. He's like, Lou, get Barton a coffee. And Lou's this frumpy old dude with glasses, and he sort of slumps up and shuffles off in the back, and you can hear his shoes the whole way, and it's really obvious there's just these squeaky ass yeah. shoes. And that's the level of detail that Foley artists go to, and that's what they can add yeah. uh, to a film. Mm -hmm. But in games, we don't have any Foley artists. We don't, we don't do anything to picture in the same way. 
and because uh, there's nothing there's nothing to sync to. Yeah, it's all real time. Um, so I see tons of game audio sound people throw around the term, and I'm guilty of it as well. Yeah, of like, oh, I'm going to go do some foley. I'm going to, you know, I'm just getting the foley ready, and it's like, well, no, you're just actually doing a recording. Yeah, you're recording some stuff. Yeah, that that has nothing to do with foley. Just because you performed it with your hands, yes, doesn't make it foley. Yes, and the reason is because, and the reason why we get weird about it is because a lot of the time we're familiar with film process to a certain degree, and film film processes they're all they're split up into these very strict structures. Yeah. Because you'll do sound effects, which is a separate thing. Foley, which is a separate thing. Ambiences, which is a separate thing. Then you'll have the dialogue, which is split into the actual dialogue that's been recorded. And then the ADR, which yep. is another thing. Yeah, which is? Which is dialogue that's recorded. Automatic after, dialogue a, replacement. Yeah, there's nothing automatic about it. It's <laughs> not ex- anymore. <laughs> it's extremely manual. <laughs> which is, if, if, a, if somebody on set flubs a line, Yep. Or a plane uh, goes over. Plane goes over, or a car honks their horn like right on an important line. Yeah. And you don't realize till the editing process. You can't take everybody out back to set again for this one stupid line. Yeah. You bring the actor into the studio, and they do basically the same thing that a that a foley artist does, but they do it with their voice. Mm-hmm. They watch the scene. They say the words when they need to be said, which is commonly called looping. Looping. Because they take the clip that has the bad line in it, and they make it loop. And so that they get to like watch it and like perform kind, it a kind bunch of times, sing song times, it, do it a bunch of times in a row until they get get the one that works. Yes, but uh, loop. It, yeah, there, there, and there are two ways of doing it. Well, yeah. no, we hey, all go to the phone stuff. There's yeah, four yeah. beeps. Blah, blah. Doesn't matter. There's a game audio podcast. <laughs> game audio. So, and you'd be so shocked how many lines are oh, done yeah. in ADR. So a film is split into all these different sections, all the sound effects, because yep. these are all done by different people. Mm-hmm. And then all these sessions, these Pro Tools sessions, and Pro Tools, we're going to do another offshoot here, Uh-oh. but Pro Tools is what's called a DAW, which stands mm-hmm. for... Digital Audio Workstation. And you've probably seen this before and said, what? And this ties into the whole, like, we didn't do the life cycle of the sound effect at all yet, but no. we're going to. We will. <laughs> we'll we get will. to there. <laughs> Because the digital audio workstation is basically agnostic to games, or yeah. it doesn't. It's it's. This is what people use to make music. This is what people use to do film posts. And there's tons and of people them. do game audio, and there's a whole bunch of them. There is Pro Tools. There is Reaper. There is Logic. There's there is Cubase. Cubase. There is Nuendo. There is Mixbus. There is like there's tons of them. There's uh, Studio One. Uh, Ableton. Ableton Live. Yeah, Ableton Live. Uh, there's Bitwig. There's like there's yeah. tons of them. They've all got their, diff- their their own strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Um, there are a few that are more prominent in game audio than not. Mm-hmm. Um, Pro Tools is the main one for film. Pro Tools and Nuendo. Yeah. Pro Tools is used a lot in game audio. Reaper is Reaper getting is, a really is starting to be used a lot. Yeah, as well. Logic yeah. is used by a, a lot of composers. Um, what's the other one? Uh, the Motu one. Oh, oh digital performer. Yeah, that's yeah, another, yeah. That's another one that's big with composers. I, I, I used to use another Motu one yeah. a long time ago. Is it ago. Motu? Maybe it's not. Anyways, yeah. Digital Performer. Digital I, I know, Performer. I know that it does some really great stuff for composers. That's, yeah. Some composers will like swear by it. So yeah. it's like all there's a whole bunch of different ones, and you may use a different one for different reasons. Yeah. And but it doesn't really matter. That's the whole thing. Yeah. If you, if you want to, it's cut you, in sound. It's like religion, politics, and Dawes. Just don't, don't talk about. Don't Dawes. argue about it. Don't bring them up. Um, <laughs> So, 
this, what were we talking about? So the Pro Tools, Pro Tools is the main DAW in film. Yeah. The sound effects are all split into these different chunks. And these, all of these sessions from different people, so from your BG editor, from your uh, dialogue editor, from, from your Foley recordist, and then your Foley editor because they're not recording perfectly in sync, it has to be synced up later. Yeah. These are all brought into a master mix session, which is, the, the, which is they're being sent to stage. And then these are going to be all mixed for the film mm-hmm. uh, by a mixer. And what's the stage? It's the sound stage. Yeah, the sound stage. We have to explain what that is. So a sound, the sound stage in film and occasionally in games for larger productions yeah. um, is a huge room. With a, to, if you've got a big budget, like a big budget big, sound, big, big, budget. big budget sound stage, these is are like, thousands of dollars a day. Take take the, the coolest movie theater you've been in, rip out all the middle seats, and put a giant mixing board in there. Yeah. So they will have yeah a mixing board with a couple, few hundred tracks. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And the, but the sessions will have more tracks than that. Yeah. Film film sessions often have hundreds, if not thousands, of tracks. Yeah. Um, what's a track? A track is a lane that holds one bit of sound. Yep. So if you have a guitar and you want vocals, you that would two be tracks. two tracks. But that never bass, happens. That's that's three yeah. tracks. But often one thing will be recorded with multiple mics. Therefore, they take up multiple tracks. Drums will take up. Arguably between three to fourteen tracks yeah. or more. Yeah. So tracks build up fast, yeah. and these mixers. So these mixers are working with hundreds of tracks. They need to know exactly where everything is at all times. So they're very, very persnickety with very good reason mm-hmm. that everything is in its right place. Yeah. And that's why foley is a thing yeah. that matters in film, and why we have this baggage. <laughs> that it still matters in games. Yep. But really, it doesn't matter that much, other than for mixing reasons. And we're going to get into what mixing is very soon here. But first, let's talk about user interface. Sure. So, so there's a whole sort of class of sounds that can be user interface, HUD, front-end sounds. Again, we've got a, lots of people who call them different things. Mm-hmm. They're all the related category of things and in my head it's always these are the sounds that don't exist in the world they are game mechanic sounds yes. that are to inform the player of something they can be something like you know i i collected a thing so you got a reward sound yep. or it could be i clicked a menu item to launch the game that's a click sound that's a ui sound yeah so this is one of the things that is not film baggage nope one of the few this, things this, this is all is, ours this is all ours <laughs> films have stolen it from us now totally ours um so i make a distinction between hud and ui yep. and matt doesn't as much um i'll explain what my distinction is it is hud literally stands for heads up display yep so for me that means the game is shooting something out there and saying yep. look at this yep so you're like critical damage. Yep. Uh, low health. Yep. Those would be head up display for me. Yeah. Uh, whereas UI, I, I just take it very literally. Yeah. User interface. It's yep. things that the user is clicking on. So it's buttons and menus yep. and, and fair enough. I, and wheels I do a, and sliders. I do a lot of um, breaking it up by. I kind of just group it all together, mm-hmm. but it gets broken up by front end and in game. Right, and I, and then in game, I will actually break it up into two D and three D. Right, um, some stuff only takes place in a two D stereo sense, and those are the like very what you're talking about a very HUD 
things that fly at the user or like pop up and stuff. Yeah. And then then 3D stuff, some of the stuff that exists in the game world. Right. I still think of as a UI sound because it's like, well, it's not, nothing about it is real. Okay. Like, I'm going to pick up this collectible. Well, it's going to exist in the spot that it, you pick it up. So to me, it's a UI element. But it needs to be 3D because there's, it's a multiplayer game and the other person also needs to hear that you picked up a thing, but they don't need to hear it the same way because they didn't pick it up. Right. So it gets very game specific. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But that that is a category. And there is a reason we still keep these things in categories. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that shortly as well. The next thing would be uh, dialogue. Yep. And we can talk about dialogue and voiceover, and what's the difference between those two things? Why mm-hmm. aren't they all the same? It's just people talking, right? Sure. Sure. But no. there's a difference. This, this makes me think of another term mm-hmm. that we should describe, this link is related to this, mm-hmm. which is diegetic and non-diegetic. Yeah. Um, which I think is one of the big differences between dialogue and VO. Yes. Yeah, this is a good so, way of illustrating that. What is diegetic? Diegetic. D-I-E. E. I thought it was A for f- years. Yep. And then, I, yeah, I had a Bernstein Bears moment when I learned it was E. Yep. I thought the universe had split. <laughs> I was so sure. D-I-E-G-E-T-I-C. Diegetic, non-diegetic. So, what is diegetic? Diegetic is a sound, um, it or other things, but it generally is used in terms of sound. Yeah. That comes from something that takes place in the world. So... I walk into the living room yep. in my f- forest game. <laughs> in your <laughs> cabin. In my, I walk into the cabin yep. to, to go get my tennis racket, um, and there is a t- there's a radio. Yes. And music coming out of the radio would be diegetic. That's diegetic. Whereas music that is a soundtrack is non-diegetic. Non-diegetic. S- sounds that don't exist in the world. So uh, my my tennis partner is in the cabin, so I walk in and they start talking to me. That is diegetic dialogue. Which we pare down to just being dialogue, dialogue usually. And if I was to walk into the cabin and my inner monologue voice was, he walked into the cabin to get his tennis racket. Non-diegetic. Voice voiceover. of God. Voice of God. Narration. Voiceover. Yeah. That's um, VO or voiceover. Yeah. So that's sort of how we split those two things up. Is like, does this is this a person talking in the world, or is this an omnipresent voice that speaks to the player from nowhere yeah. and everywhere? Yeah. Um, and so, and we can harken back to UI. Yep. Your difference between the three D and two D UI mm-hmm. being a non diegetic and a diegetic difference. Yeah. Totally. So, two D meaning stereo. Mm-hmm. meaning two tracks played directly into your ears with no spatialization yes. in the world at all. So you couldn't point to where the sound was coming from. Yeah. It's just going straight into your brain. Uh, so we've got dialogue and VO. Yep. Uh, they're a whole thing. That's a, whole, that's a couple they'll, of they'll podcasts. Dub, they'll double the budget of your game. Yeah. Um, not, not being hyperbolic about it at all. You got to do it right or don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Bad dialogue is the worst. It's the worst. Everybody hates it. Yeah. Um, Our brains are so hardwired for speech to pick out speech too that there's – which makes for any sort of problem with your dialogue, our brain can pick out. You can have problems with other sound effects. You can have problems with your ambiences and our brain won't pick it out the way it will pick out dialogue. Yeah. So if you can't do dialogue like right, 
don't do it. And doing figure it, something else out to replace it. Yeah. And doing it right means you have to work with professional actors. You have to get a proper studio. You have to get multiple takes of any line that's going to be said more than one in the game or that is controlled by the player and how many times it can be said. You've got to get multiple actors because you need multiple voices or multiple actors can do multiple voices because we can pick out the fact that, hey, guard five, six, and seven were all the same voice. Yeah. Think about how many times you have played a game and realized that you can do this one thing to this character and they say the exact same thing yeah. every time and it pulls you out of the experience. The yeah. whole the whole point why doing dialogue very well is important is because it's so good at pulling you out of the experience if it's done poorly. Yeah. And uh, when it's done right, it sucks you in and gives it character and like brings these people to life. So. Yeah. So yeah. So we're not saying don't do dialogue. We're saying do good dialogue. Yeah. But can... But you got to know what you're getting into. Yeah. Because you're getting into something. <laughs> it is no small thing. <laughs> uh, so we also haven't talked. Uh, it's it's a l- little, not exactly what we're, we're in, but music is a part of yep. the soundscape of a game at all times. And or maybe often, not. Often, no, many developers think it's the only thing that needs to be in the soundscape Total. Yeah, yeah, actually. Which um, is a huge misnomer. Yeah. Or not a misnomer, but a... Misunderstanding. Uh, mistake? I'm a myth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just straight up mistake. <laughs> it's just, um, and in broad senses, we can uh, immediately split music up into interactive and non-interactive music. Yeah. And there is cases where your game will need one or both or either or the other. Like, it's yeah. just very game specific whether or not you need interactive music. Ex- extremely, yeah. Um, but th- you will approach each of them differently and need different things from your composer if you're doing one or the other, uh, you may need somebody to build a system for that to go into, which is why you might use middleware. Middleware. Well, what's the difference between interactive and non-interactive music? Sure. Yep. So, uh, back First. up a, a step. Uh, non-interactive music would be a jukebox, a piece of music that just plays mm-hmm. from beginning to end. You know, maybe the, you can make a playlist in your game or whatever, or maybe you have set up exactly what music plays for, for each level, but it's just like, it's just a song. It's just yeah. a song. It's a song it's gonna, that plays and goes to the end, if I, and maybe it loops. If I stop and stand for two hours, it's just going to play that song forever, potentially. Yeah. Interactive music, which is much better in most cases. Yeah. <laughs> Go out on a limb and say that. Yeah. Is when something in the game sends some sort of signal to whatever music system you have and the music changes dependent upon that signal. Yeah. It could be how quickly your player is moving, where your character is is in a level, which level they're they're at, uh their health, yeah. uh what weapon they have equipped, uh how 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 much they're winning the tennis game. Uh yeah. If they're in the cabin versus not in the cabin. Which like, character did you select before you started the tennis yes. game? The world is your oyster, basically. They're, the options are endless um, and very powerful. Yeah. Any, anything that you can turn into a, a number, yeah. you can drive music from. Yeah. Anything you want to change the feeling of your game, basically. Yeah. It's, it's like background art. I would say the one piece of advice mm-hmm. with that is... In most cases, you want to drive it from the least number of things as possible. Yeah. The more factors that change the music, 
the more confusing it is to a player and they won't understand why the music is changing. Interactive music, I feel, is is best when the player can understand what they've done and how it's changed the music. Not, not exactly the, the mechanics of it, but just like, oh, because I'm doing X, music has gotten more exciting yeah. or sad. Like, they can they can grasp why it's changing. And that gives, like, this really great feedback loop to mm-hmm. the player. Yeah. So, to do dynamic music, most of the time, we will yep. need uh, middleware. Yes. May or may not have heard of. Yes. There are two big players right now um, and a couple of, uh, smaller ones. Mm-hmm. The two big players are FMOD and WISE. Yep. Uh, we've both worked with them. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're having the... This podcast won't be out in time, but the <laughs> co-founder of Wise is doing a talk tomorrow at yep. the Sound Designers Meetup in Vancouver that we organized. They're both incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, there is reasons, uh, business-wise and technically-wise, why you would use one over the other. Um, some t- cases, one is the reason and the other is not the most important, but they're both incredibly powerful. You can do massive amounts of stuff, um, really cool things. You can get yourself into a lot of trouble, <laughs> too. Yeah. So what do they do? Pick one or the other. Or yeah. there's other ones like Fabric and the Unreal Engine has its own audio system and Fabric – or not Fabric. Unity. Unity has its own system. So there's built-in systems as well. Usually middleware is referring to bolting on a new audio system to the whatever your main game engine is yeah. because it is more fully featured yeah. than the stock whatever it may be. And so some of these features might include basically what middleware does is it remove it it gives logic to the sound designer who is yes. to, to a non-coding sound designer yeah. and removes programmer time yeah. um, a lot of the time very compl- complex programming yeah. and can and gives that logic and uh, DSP which stands for digital signal processing uh, puts it in the hands of the sound designer yeah it doesn't completely eliminate the need for somebody to do audio programming. Absolutely not. But it moves a lot of it off of a what would be a regular engineer's plate yeah. and puts them into the sound designer's plate so they can be like, right, I just you just need to fire me a vent and then I'm going to do a whole bunch of stuff with it. Instead of like, well, when this happens, I need you to change this and change that and yeah. trigger this and do this. You're like, all the, this stuff can just be like, I made a thing happen because you sent me one signal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... For for instance, let's say we have our tennis players wearing a suit of armor. Yes, in the forest. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what you do. He's he's wearing a suit of armor. This game's leather really, boots. Leathers. This game's really coming together. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's say he. <laughs> We've got, let's say he's got toggleable clothing. Yeah. So you could he they they could be wearing a suit of armor. They could be wearing a biker biker jacket. They could yep. be wearing a a long flowing gown. Mm-hmm. You've got Those three are, different, which. Would fall into the fully camp. So clothing makes sound. If you're walking around in a suit of armor, it's not silent. That would be creepy. Yep. You'd be because you'd be a ghost, and that would mean you're dead. Yep. Uh, so that means we can't just make one sound file that is a leather boot and a dress mm-hmm. and put it in the game and say just play this one. Yep. No, we have to separate those out. So we need we need leather boots, um, and we need leather boots on surfaces as well. So they might be walking on grass. They might be walking on dry leaves. They might be walking on packed dirt. Yep. Those all sound different, so we need the pack, the boots on packed dirt sounds, the boots on grass sounds, the boots on dry leaves sounds. Those all need to be separated from the evening gown. Yep. The evening gown sounds. So rather than us giving our 
our Here is a hundred sound files. Here are a hundred sound f- files. That need to get triggered in ten different ways. Yes. They need to be surface tagged. They need to be uh, randomized. I want them to pitch uh, two semitones. Or that's, I, that's I want too much. these <laughs> ones to pitch semi, two semitones. I want yeah. these ones to pitch one semitone because yes. it doesn't work as much with those ones. Exactly. These ones I can do more with. Yeah. So you, you get into all these cases of like, here's all this massive book of instructions that I, you need your programmer to put in. Yeah. Or if you use some form of middleware, you can be like, hey, let's make a list of surfaces and you send me what surface it is with a number or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I will handle all the switching between the different footstep surfaces and the different clothing items yeah. in my middleware. Yeah. And so the programmer doesn't have to like worry about that. And, yeah. and then I can, as the sound designer, go, right, this one I can pitch more than that one. I can set up that, that they, they randomize in the way that I want them to randomize that makes the most sense. If the, and, if and the player goes underwater, I can add a yeah, filter can, to make it sound like it's underwater. If they change environments, I can mm-hmm. change the reverb. So now we're getting into DSP and effects. Yeah. Um, so so that's the logic part. Yeah. We can change. We 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 get control of the behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but then within the middleware, we also get to work with DSP. Mm-hmm. And DSP, digital signal processing, is the effects that can be put on top of sounds. Yep. That don't have to be baked in at the DAW stage. Remember DAW? Yep. So a lot of effects are employed in the DAW, but you don't want to do all of that. Mm-hmm. Some effects include reverb, distortion. Pitch shifting. Pitch shifting, delay. Delay. Um, I would say reverb is the number one first thing you don't want to do in your DAW, you want to do in your game engine. Yeah. Um, because your environments change so much, and with with good middleware, you can set up different reverbs for different areas, so that automatically you will sound like I'm I'm in the forest, mm-hmm. and when I go into my little cabin, it now sounds like I'm inside a cabin, and that's just the reverb settings being changed in the middleware because we sent a trigger that said I'm now in the cabin, as opposed to well I have to take all my clothing sounds and I have to put reverb on them for outside, and then I have to put reverb on them for inside. And then be switching between. You've like doubled your asset count right there. Famously done in the game Wander Song, which I'm working on. (laughs) Because we're using Game Maker. And Game Maker does not support uh, middleware. (laughs) So we're what's called baking. It's called baking our effects in. As in we're exporting files that have the reverb on them. Yeah, and we have to do it for every environment. But luckily the same environment never really happens twice. So So that's one of the... Big things that you you can gain, like you can cut down your asset count, and anytime you which matters less than it used to, but it's good for it's, voices. It it manages. Oh no, it's bad for voices. Yeah, it's it's memory is way better these days than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. So on disk space, in memory space, like way better. It's way less of a concern, mm-hmm. um, especially I think in the indie world, we've got you know lots of. Power going yeah. on, which is great. Because but, you may not, may or may not know, sound is huge. Sound will take up more space in your game than anything else a lot of the time in an indie title. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very easily. Where it does count, though, is still that you when you double your asset count, maybe you've got the disk space for it and you've got the RAM and everything, mm-hmm. but you're still now managing twice as many assets as you were before. Yeah. So every time you do that, you're like ballooning out just the maintenance of making sure you've got everything. Yeah, and got, load, load times. And make sure you're not messing anything up. Yeah. Like, okay, you've got 10 assets. Okay, you can pretty sure you can keep track of if all 10 things are right. Well, now you've got 100 things. Is yeah. all 100 things right? Or did, you know, 
you make a mistake and one thing got named wrong. So now there's one stray leather boot footstep that's in the suit of armor footsteps. Yeah. And so every one out of 30 times, you get a wrong footstep. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Yep. Yeah. So that's why DSP is nice. Mm-hmm. I guess we could explain what a couple of these DSPs are for and what they mean. Because we've said a few things in the yep. past minute that we have that are yep. very so, better lingo-y. So reverb. What is reverb? Reverb. Do, we have we don't, we don't have much in here, but I'll try. We've, no, this is a well-treated room. It's dead. Yeah, there's very little reverb in this room. So if you go into a in a big stadium and you clap, I think <sighs> goes on forever. So a lot of I guess lay people would refer to that as echo, but it's yep. it's not. I mean, the they are the ac- same scientific thing. No, they're. I will. I'm pointing well, my finger at you. Reflections. Yes. Yes. Echo and delay, I think, can be considered the same thing. And that is the sound in a physical space of a sound hitting an object and coming back to your ears. Yeah. So a very big space. With a time difference mm-hmm. between when, when you hear one and the, the reflection, that first reflection. A reverb is those echoes that have happened in a big enough space that they start to get diffuse mm-hmm. and they start to spread around and now you're hearing a whole bunch of them come back but there's so many of them you can't really tell where they but come it's from. it's a wash. It yeah. sounds like a wash. So, yeah. You know. So that's the big, that, I think reverb is the most important DSP mm-hmm. in, uh, that is in games and useful Yep. For world building and putting people in the place. Yeah. There's there is nothing dialogue is probably more breaking, but second, having a wrong reverb can break all yeah. the immersion of yeah. everything. Yeah. Uh next up that we use prob for similar reasons is delay. So yep. that's the echo sound. Yep. So this is if you want to sound like you're on a mountaintop mm-hmm. and you're yelling, echo or yodeling. Echo. echo we all do echo, a lot of we all do a lot yeah. of yodeling. Um so that's a big one. Yep. Uh, distortion. Distortion, I probably use way more on a DAW stage of things than a game implementation side of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But distortion is incredibly useful for so many things. Yeah. Uh, that's I. That's a whole podcast. I could probably just talk about distortion for a whole yeah, so, podcast. But a, the the short the, is like the it's, short definition of what it is. Yeah. It's it's driving a signal until, in an analog sense, it's when circuits start to get too much signal that they can't handle it. Yeah. And the waveform physically starts changing shape. Yeah, distorting. So, so that's the difference between a clean guitar yep. sound or a, like an acoustic guitar and Jimi Hendrix playing Star Spangled Banner. Yeah. Is that it's being overdriven on purpose. Mm-hmm. So the, the systems don't like it. <laughs> yeah. But our, but our ears sure do. Back in the 50s, they found in music that driving their recording systems to the point at which they were electrically breaking up mm-hmm. and being bad and performing bad sounded really great. Yeah. Is basically what it is. And it sounds better with uh, analog equipment than digital. Digital yeah, stuff. A digital distortion is, is horrible. It's a very bad thing. Um, we, emulate digi- or we emulate analog distortion yes. in our DAWs all the time. Yeah. But if you, li- if you actually drive a digital system to distortion, it's oh, terrible. It's horrible. And that's um, a whole... Even even versus odd order harmonics and stuff, lots of technical things. Yeah, um, but you can use it in many ways. You can. One of the concepts is too is when our ears physically hear a sound that is too loud. 
Yes. Our eardrums will distort. Yeah. Same thing. It's a physical thing that can't handle the signals, so it freaks out. Yeah. So distortion can be used to imply that something is really loud. Yes. Without actually hurting. Without actually being really loud. Because our brain goes, right, that's what happens when stuff's loud. It must be loud. Yeah. And I think another uh, term that we could easily shoehorn into this, uh, which is very applicable, uh, is psychoacoustics. Mm Mm-hmm. And psychoacoustics is when our brain does something with sound that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the scientific waveforms of what the sound is doing. Yeah. It's how our brains interpret things. Yeah. So distorted sounds, our brains interpret them as louder than they actually are. Yeah. So uh, if you know at least a rudimentary amount of psychoacoustic stuff, you yeah. can use those principles in your sound design and in your games yeah. to get people to think certain things. So using a certain reverb will psycho... like. The psychoacoustic implications of that are that you may be in a big space or a small space. You can infer different emotions by doing those things. By using a claustrophobic tiny reverb, you can make people feel claustrophobic. By using a big roomy one, you can make them feel they're floating in the air. One of my favorite ones is from, um, I learned from the Silent Hill series, that if a sound is played too early, it is off-putting. People get freaked out when they hear, you know, something earlier than they see it. Yeah. But if you delay it just a little bit, you see it before you hear it, it can be a comforting thing. Mm -hmm. And that has to do with the psychoacoustics of speed of light is faster than the speed of sound. Yeah. So we will always see something first. Mm -hmm. And the bigger the gap between us seeing it and hearing it means it's further away, which means we are more safe. Yeah. You know, if we see the speck of a lion, it goes, you're like, ah, it's a lion's way over there. I'm okay. Yeah. But if, Lands really close, you go, rawr, and you're like, oh, I'm going to die. Yeah. But because of that, nothing can be heard before it's seen Mm -hmm. when it's in your visual aspect. So our brain is just like, I don't know what to do with that. And I don't like it. I don't like it because that's not natural. Yeah. (laughs) So I'll correct myself and say it doesn't, it does, it doesn't disobey the science. Yeah. But it is, it's just how we react to certain things. It's our perception of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is can be very interesting and it's a very deep hole. If, mm-hmm. you re- if you repeat the same phrase of speech over and over again, it starts to sound musical yep. and it starts to sound like a song. And then if you take that phrase of speech and you play the entire sentence that it, would, that it came in, yep. the person will be talking, 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 singing for one sentence, uh, talking, 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 talking. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of cool audio illusions and those are all yeah. useful from there's, a there's design standpoint. rhythmic things where you can play stuff against each other and our brains will interpret patterns that mm-hmm. never meant to exist. Yep. So you can like play stuff against each other in a mute that comes off in a very musical way yeah. that our brains are like, our brains want to find patterns. Yeah. So they search for the patterns in the music. Oh, that, that must have meant, meant to go together because... I can hear her, yeah, I can nod my head to that. Okay, it's cool. Yeah. You're like, ah, I just, just threw stuff together. Yeah. Um, okay, and then that's that's probably good for DSP for now. I yeah. mean, we're not, we won't get that much into it. Um, but now I think we can start. No, we cannot. Yeah, let's take, so let's not go into mixing yet. Okay. Let's do our life cycle of a sound effect. Sure, let's go back. So, so we've got we've got some terms now. Yeah. So hopefully we can you can follow along. Okay. Our sound effect is going to be our our knight in shining armor with a tennis racket. Yep. Is uh, hitting a Stellar's J BC's provincial bird. <laughs> He's hitting a bird with his Jeez. racket. <laughs> this is 
Bird tennis. <laughs> so, okay, so what are we going to need? Where are we going to start? We have nothing. We're starting okay, with nothing. Okay, we have nothing. nothing. All right, so we've got a, a, a person in armor. Let's just pick one sound effect. Let's so, just go. So, let's say so the, we've got the person. I'm just going to, like, okay. throw out all the sounds, and then we'll pick one to, like, sure, create. Sure. So we need uh, the sounds of the movement, my, my armor rattling. Yep. We need uh, the swoosh of my arm as I'm swinging the racket. Yep. We need the sound of the racket hitting the bird or that book. <laughs> we need the sound of the bird reacting to being hit. Uh, the sound of the bird flying through the air as it's hit away. Yeah. Uh, we potentially want a grunt as I uh, yeah. as I swing. We probably want a bird vocalization too. Yep. Not just the sound of its of its frail little body being yeah. crushed against but, the racket, but its little scream as it gets hurled away. Yeah. Um, we want we have that's not even talking about the environment. Yeah, environment. So that's that's just yet. the action we're talking about. Yeah. All right. So what do we let's let's do a whoosh. Sure. That's a good. So we we've got a swinging of the racket as I'm going to yeah. hit the bird. So and let's say it's not a very stylized game. We're yep. going with a literal racket. It's not a space racket. Right. It's just a racket. Okay. So the no-brainer solution to this would be to re- record a racket. Get a microphone. Record a racket. Record a racket. So can you just get a microphone and put it in front of the racket and it will just record? Uh, no. 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 We have no. To, we've got to plug the microphone into some shit. Which could be, well, will be a preamp. A preamp will amplify the signal from a microphone to a level in which it is usable by other electronics. You can have a standalone mic preamp. You can have a preamp that's built into an interface for your computer. Um, But it is a preamp somewhere. Yeah. You might only think about, oh, I've got my interface. I plug my microphone into my interface. That has a preamp built into it. Yeah, maybe you've dabbled... Only in music, and when you think of preamp, you think of a big $2,000 thing that goes in yeah. a rack. and Or a mixing board, which has preamps into preamps in every channel. Right in it. So, But if those little tiny recorders that the reporters are holding, those have little those preamps. Those have a preamp in, in them. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's all the stuff built into one little yeah. package. So we don't care which one you use. Yeah. It that's, could be the little handheld one, or it could be the rack mount one. I don't, I don't care. Anywhere in between. Um, that's that's how you need to capture your sound, though. So you, gonna, have a, you have to have some equipment of some kind. Yeah. You have to have some sort of microphone into a preamp into a analog-to-digital converter, an A yeah. to D. And then that's what your computer puts on a hard disk. Yeah. Is this converted digital signal. Yeah. And so let's say you are not using the handheld one. Yep. You are recording into an I an, interface. I have an interface on my computer. Yeah. The interface will have software that will talk to your uh, your computer. Well, it'll replace your sound card soft- software, basically. Yep. And this will talk to your DAW, yep. your digital audio workstation. And you can tell your DAW, hey, listen to this microphone. Mm-hmm. And then you can hit record, and blam, it prints out to a track. Yep. Then, so we've got our whoosh. We will. But do we want just one whoosh and we're good? No, we've got a bunch of whooshes. We want tons and of whooshes. Here's one of the interesting things about audio. Um, at least for me, yeah. most things that you hear don't sound like you expect them to hear. Nope. So maybe you've, you've grabbed the exact tennis racket that is I'm swinging in the game, and you can swing it around in front of a microphone a bunch and be like, that just does not sound like that. That does not sound good at all. Because maybe somebody who, you know, 
did all the sounds for a bunch of tennis movies, didn't use a tennis racket whoosh. Yeah. And so in your head is some other whoosh. Yes. Made by some other object. Yeah. So you're probably going to want to get a couple of different things. Yeah. Swing them around and find the thing that whooshes the way you feel your game should whoosh. Exactly. So maybe you thought you weren't doing a stylized game, but then you took a completely non-stylized tennis racket whoosh and you put it... And you put it in your DAW, and you looked. You just even looked at the picture. Yeah. Because we're not we're not in the game engine yet. Yep. We're So far away from it. Yeah. And you're just and you were like that. That's lame. That makes me feel like shit. Yeah. They lame. hate that whoosh. Makes makes the player seem so weak. They're wearing they're wearing a coat of armor. Yeah. So you you get some bamboo poles. You get a spatula tied to a piece of string. Yeah. You get a colander attached to a, a piece of swing. You get a bunch of different objects. Um. I know uh, I know one sound designer who likes to play the game, Will It Whoosh? <laughs> Andy from down in Seattle. He likes to take right, just like anything and be like, Will It Whoosh? And see if he can get whooshes out of like yeah. random objects. Yeah. Um, so you never know what will whoosh and what, what won't and what yes. has the right qualities of a whoosh. That... So you've recorded, you've recorded all these whooshes. Uh, you multiple, probably, multiple versions of each one. You don't want just one. If you only have one, and it's the same thing as I was saying with the with the person say, speaking the same phrase over and over again. Yep. If your player can spam this whoosh, and they're hearing the same whoosh every time, it's going to start to sound musical. Maybe mm-hmm. that's what you want, and that's fine. But it kind of, well, at least for but us, You need like, to know that. Yeah. Because maybe that's not fine, and you need to do stuff to alleviate that. Exactly. And what Cover we do usually do is put large amounts of variety into something so that it's it's all a whoosh of a tennis racket. It's similar. all slightly different. Yeah. Because Just, our, our brains are very, very picky. Yeah. Like I said, it goes back to the pattern recognition that the our brain f- goes through. The fidelity of, the, the extent of the fidelity which we hear things is very, very, very fine. Yep. So... To, to get technical, like briefly, uh, we hear things at, or digital recordings are recorded at a sample rate, a bit depth and a sample rate. Yep. Bit depth is the amplitude of how loud a sound is, mm-hmm. and the sample rate is the fidelity at which it's recorded. And the, the samples are all these tiny little staircase signals um, that tell you the, like, the amplitude of yep. a given signal. Which is signal. related to the Nyquist theorem, yeah. which is... That to hear any frequency, it needs to be sampled at least twice. Yes. And the sample rate that we work at, that is considered professional, um, or, or, and it's kind of, I think it's all up to this now, but it's 48,000 samples per second. Yep. So yep. compared to the fidelity of visuals, yep. where we're talking like 90 frames a second, yep. it's like pretty smooth. I don't know what you're talking about. 24 frames is all you need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's more cinematic. <laughs> Matt never said that. Don't <laughs> don't show this to the gamers. Don't show it to the gamers. Uh, so and person. and as as you start dropping that sample rate, it becomes noticeable yeah. really quickly. Yeah, things get duller and duller because because you're using less samples. You're not accurately the high frequencies are the first things that you're not no longer describing. Yeah. Because you're not sampling them twice, yeah. So they're just gone. And the high frequencies are what give things their like their sharp, sharpness and texture generally, to use yeah. non-scientific words. Yeah, yeah. 
Audio is also great for non-scientific terms. It's yeah. There's going to be there's a lot of that. We I don't, I don't even think we're touching on that. But you get into like warmth and cold. Yeah, for and the like, record, oh, we are geez. not we are not acoustic engineers. I'm not even talking. I'm thinking of when I was worked in music and oh. like all the terms <laughs> that they use, which are just so like whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's fidelity. So yep. we're, so we're being responsible. Re- we're actually recording at ninety six. Yep. A thousand. Some people will record. Or 192. 192. We just got a great library that was all recorded at 192. Yeah. Plug. Yeah. Oh, right. Mid-podcast plug. Mid-podcast plug. We got a library from, this is for our sound friends. Yep. Yep. Back. Something for you guys again. Yeah. We got a sound library, another sound library from the wonderful Mattia Cilato. Super awesome. Uh. And it is a dry ice library. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Super crazy, screechy stuff. Um, and one of the great things is it's all recorded at 192 with microphones that record super ultrasonic high frequency stuff that you normally can't hear. Mm-hmm. So when you pitch stuff down, you get all this content you didn't even know you had up there. Yeah, because and it's, it was outside of the human hearing spectrum. And that all that um, that dry ice sound, that groaning and creaking and stuff, it it generates a ton of content that you can't hear. Yeah. I was I was poking through the stuff today, and it was like it's it's a great library. There's super cool stuff, and one of the things I, I noticed, I actually I, I immediately was using one sound, awesome. know, the sound I needed to make today. I was like, sweet. Um, but I I noticed that he's he's got raw recordings, which are great, um, and then he's got designed recordings, mm-hmm. um, and his design stuff is still not overly designed. I feel it's still usable as layers and stuff, which is really awesome. Like, a lot of design stuff is, like, so designed, like, you can't... Yeah, it has only got one use. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then somebody uses it, and you're like, right, that's the sound. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You, you beat me to it. I guess Everyone I won't use that one. Um, so the design stuff, I think it's really great as well. Like, Perfect. In that so, yeah, I was really impressed. I'm super happy to get, get my hands on that one, and you should too. Yeah, go buy Matias Library. We will link to it. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Yep. There we go. Plug yep. over. Plug over. Uh, okay, moving on. Let's say we've got our, we've got our, we're, okay, we're being, we're not going crazy. Yep. We're, but we're recording at 96 kilohertz. Yep. Which is 96,000 samples per second. Mm-hmm. And the reason we do this is so that we can slow it down to 48,000 samples per second in our editor and yep. maintain our high-frequency content. Yep. Because if you record at 48,000 and you want to go an octave lower, you are s- stretching your samples out. You're doubling the length of uh, your samples mm-hmm. and basically reducing it to 24,000 samples the, per second, and you lose all that high-frequency And whatever content. your DAW you're using has to start guessing at what goes in between those poles you've created right. when you're pitching it down. Yeah. And there's, there's a ton of different pitch shifting algorithms out there. Some are better for some things than mm-hmm. other things and blah, 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 blah. But if you can actually have the content, you have to rely totally, on that less. Totally ideal. Yeah, you'll get a higher fidelity sound. Um, so we've got all our whooshes. Yep. Now we're going to start stacking them up in our tracks. Yep. One, of, one of the things that pretty much all of us as sound designers do is a large part of it is layering sounds together. Yeah. So we you know we recorded that tennis racket. We were like, oh, the tennis racket bit made me feel bad about life. Yeah. Which is why we recorded more whooshy things. Yeah. So we may still put the tennis racket whoosh on one track, and then we will take our bamboo swish, put that on another track, line them up, 
Maybe we pitch shift the bamboo one down. Because it was a bit too tonal. It was a little too high. And, didn't, yeah. and we, you know, we want to get it into sort of the same register that the other whoosh is just to bolster it up and feel yeah. it. So we'll pitch it down and we'll layer those two sounds together. And now like, oh, now we've got, yeah. we've got a so, new sound. So what we're doing is we're stacking these things and we're kind of psychoacoustically checking ourselves as we go. Because yep. we're, we're playing it back and it's sort of like, how does this make me feel? Is this right? Does, it, does this sound like one thing? Yeah. Does this sound like a cohesive thing that, you know, makes me feel the way I want this sound to feel? Exactly. So we're going to line a bunch of those up. Everybody's got a different workflow on how they're editing their sounds and yep. what, what they're doing in their DAW. We're not going to talk about that. Some people use lots of layers. Some people use a few layers. Yep. You know, lots of different ways of processing everything. People are going to use a lot more DSP in their DAW than they'll use in the game engine. Yeah. They're going to be using EQ, which is equalization, which is the attenuation and amplification of certain frequency ranges. They're going to use compression, Big which time. is the like, lowering of the dynamic range so that the quiet parts are louder and the louder parts are quiet, and so it changes the tonal aspects of, yeah. of the sound. They're going to be using delays and reverbs and pitch shifting and... Distortions. Distortions and all kinds of other crazy modulations. How many plugins do you have, Matt? I don't even want to know. Hundreds. 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 Yeah. I am a modest plugin owner, and I probably have over 100. I have a problem, yeah, <laughs> and I have hundreds. I find it odd when I haven't bought a plug-in in a week. Yeah. <laughs> so Get itchy. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, most most DAWs come with a lot oh. of decent pro- plugins. Yep. So you can get a lot done without spending totally. much money. Totally. The stock plugins will And in, in previous well. podcasts, we have talked about what our favorites are yep. a bunch of times and stuff. But, so we don't need to get into that. I think one thing we do want to impress on people is that there's this whole skill set involved before it even reaches the game. Yeah. Uh, Knowing how to record something is a skill set. Knowing how to edit something is a skill set. Knowing how to process something is a skill set. Knowing when to make decisions on whether a sound is good or not is, I think, the most important skill set that takes a long time. Yeah. Um, My, the only reason I've gotten fast at it is because I've been able to decide what is good or not much more quickly than I used to be able to. Mm-hmm. Or I, I know what I want faster. Yeah. So so much of my workflows and stuff is about being quick so that I can evaluate at a faster rate mm-hmm. what is this thing I've, I've made or, or am making. Yeah. You know, and that, that the quicker I can get that iteration cycle, the more I can iterate. And the more I iterate, the better I get. Yeah. So we're taking, we've got our whooshes. Yeah. We're good. We're going to export them from the DAW. Right. Into... A wave file. Which is its own skill set unto itself of yeah. getting a sound out of a DAW into the right format and name and everything, you know, loudness right and all this stuff. What are, what are the capabilities of the game engine that it's going into? Is it a mobile game? Yep. Um, because we may not want to use a .wav because mm-hmm. that's what it is. What is known as a loss, lossless format. Yeah. So, which what is, compressed formats are we going to use? What compressed formats save us space on disk, but are really hard on the CPU of said yeah. platform that we're going to? And well, what lossless is is it means you're getting the full fidelity file um, with all its maybe not necessary frequencies. Yep. So and they're so they're big. Yep. They're big files, and we'll use. Compression formats such as OGG, MP3 sometimes, yep. uh, AAC. Yep. Um, AIFF is another no, lossless. I, lo, I, AIFF is, is lossless. Yeah. Um, 
so there's a bunch of different formats. Different platforms have their own formats yep. as well. So if you know you're going to one of the consoles, yep. they, they're going to have their own deal with their own compression built in. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Remember Flack? Are people still? Yep, yep. Flack's still big. Still big. Okay. Flack is a high quality lossless. Lossy? Lossy? I thought it was lossless. I don't. know. Maybe but I don't. It gets even. We get audio confused. Engineer, audio engineers don't use Flack. <laughs> No. Don't give me no flack. Uh, the only time I use flack is when I have to uh, put out one of our soundtracks and I have to convert it to flack for people. Oh, okay. Uh, that's it. <laughs> that's the, the only time want, I use it. The people want the flack. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you have to figure out what format you're doing. Sometimes you'll do multiple, multiple formats for multiple platforms. Yep. Um, often this can be done in the middleware yep. as well. So a lot of the time the middleware will just have a, a toggle. Mm-hmm. You can just be like, Boop, I want it. I want this platform in OGG. Do. I want this platform in Wave. Yada yada yada. So now we've got our file. Yep. The file is going to be taken, probably plugged into middleware, maybe plugged into your directly into the game engines uh, audio tools. Yep. Maybe you've built a custom uh, tool set, totally. which we we're doing in Wandersong. We have a custom mm-hmm. tool set. So now it's in the game engine. Now what are we doing with it? Now we got to mix it. Well, now we have to set its logic. That too. Yeah. So <laughs> we have to decide, is this a 3D sound? Is this um, a 2D sound? Is this a 2D sound? Uh, where is it? Yep. What is it What is it attached to that it plays in, in the world? Yeah. How is it going to behave? Is it, We should probably randomize it. Yeah. Because we've got a bunch How of them. How are we going to randomize it? Yeah. Are we going to randomize it a full shuffle? Mm-hmm. Are we going to randomize it so it doesn't repeat the last two it played, so it feels even more random? Mm-hmm. Basically, we don't want the players to necessarily notice they've heard the same sound twice. Yeah. Uh, maybe we're going to set the the randomized pitching to between a plus one and minus one semitone and everything in between mm-hmm. so that it gives us the illusion of more variation. Yep. Maybe we're going to add a slight uh, low-pass filter that was going to move in and out as well to give us a, a sense of mm-hmm. more variation. So we're adding variation on top of the variations that we already put in the, in the physical file format yep. with the middleware's capabilities. Yeah. So and effectively, then, we get even more variation yeah. every time we're like, even if you do stepped like the pitch, one one up and one down, you've tripled the perception of how many sounds it is. Yes. And then we get to mix it. Then we get to mix it. Yeah. So mixing means we are taking this sound and... We are adjusting the levels of the sound in the game engine mm-hmm. so that it sounds appropriate in as many situations as we can make it happen. Yeah. There is, I, I'm not going to say all because generally you never actually get all of the situations. No. So you're guessing at some of them and you're making your best effort to cover as many as you can. Yeah. Um, so that may be like, all right, I'm in the forest. I'm going to swing my racket a whole bunch. Yeah. I'm going to turn it up. I'm going to turn it down. I'm going to find, okay, that's the sweet spot of... The whoosh with the hit and the bird scream mm-hmm. all sound like one action that has happened. And, it, yeah, it all feels attached, attached to that player. Yeah. My players aren't covering the ears over anything or they're not straining the ears to hear something. Yep. Um, it's cutting through the Bee Gees. Mm-hmm. And so mixing is a whole thing. Yeah. Like a mix will you – could, you could record the best sound on the most expensive equipment. And if you screw up how it's mixed, it will yep. be – player's least favorite sound in the game. You'll get complaints 
yeah. on on your on your uh, support forms. Anecdotally, we had in the beginnings of Don't Starve, we had a whole bunch of complaints about the pickup sound. People hated it. Somebody literally asked for, "Can I get a slider to turn just that sound off?" So, like, sound effects, music, pickup sound. Like yeah. that's what they wanted in their options. Yeah. Um, and so I loved the sound. I thought it worked, but I listened to it a bunch and I'm like, oh yeah, it's like six dB too loud. I like right. tucked it back and I was like, that's where it needed to go. The mix is what was ruining that sound and yeah. that ruining the experience for players can, with that sound. It can ruin your game in my opinion. Yeah. So mixing, mixing is just a whole thing. So yeah. this is where, so hearkening way back, this is probably our longest, going to be our longest podcast ever. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> hearkening back to our groups. Yep. Um, maybe we can make it a two-parter. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe we can circle. record it all tonight and then <laughs> and then go back to and then cut it in half. Uh, so, hearkening back to why game audio still cares about grouping things up, like film does, mm-hmm. and it's because we're sending sounds in groups or what's known as mix buses yep. to these specific channels. The channels and buses. The channels and buses. That's interchangeable. Yeah. Uh, those are interchangeable words. Um, so that we can control them as a large group of sounds. A, a lot of the way that a lot of us will approach mixing is we will balance liked sounds together. So we will yeah. balance all of the character movement stuff so that all the different character movement stuff sounds right mm-hmm. when it's together. And then we send that to a group or bus so that we can now adjust that group of sounds, which sound all good together, against yeah, relatively all good the together. backgrounds. Yeah. So you group stuff together that logically, as a sound, goes together, and you're not going to want to adjust separately once yeah. you've got them working together. Mm-hmm. So it's we're grouping stuff together to make it easier as we go like so that we get you know get with this little area dialed together pretty good and now when i go to the next area and this other thing happens oh all of that i i can tell that one thing is too loud in there so that's going to mean all of those things are too loud and i can turn around the one thing instead of going oh geez i have to go in and change 50 things right so and then the other reason why we're grouping things up is that yes we want to be able to control them all so that they all sit nicely in sort of the same place. But we also want them to turn each other down Yep. Um, when more important things happen. So a lot of my mixes, I have sort of a priority structure. Mm-hmm. And within my middleware, I can take these buses and say, like, bus, uh, priority bus two, yep. you turn down priority bus three, four, and five when you play. Just a little bit, or depending on which one it is. And if there's nothing playing in bus two, nothing gets... Priority two, then those get, you know. Those come back up again. Which is commonly referred to as ducking. Yeah. You duck one sound under another. Yeah. And this can be done programmatically, or it can be done via a process known as sidechain compression. Yep. um, Which is also very common in DAWs. Mm -hmm. I do it it a ton with music mixing. Yeah. And then there's a more advanced sort of version uh, known as HDR. You sidechain the bass from the kick. Yes. So you can get the kick to, to poke through. Yeah. Get, you got to move things out of the way that, so you can hear other stuff. Yeah. Because the long and the short of it is is that we're working with a limited space from an energy perspective. Mm-hmm. Within our system, we can only push so much data through it. and Which, when it becomes physical, is literally pushing air. Yeah. A speaker or headphones or whatever it is, a transducer that produces audio, can only push so much air. 
So we need to make sure we're using the most of that ability. Yeah, and also also it takes care of this uh, issue known as masking, whereas if there's just a bunch of sound going on, yep. we will not hear things. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're, if you're next to a, a bus and its brakes are going off, you're not going to hear, hear somebody rubbing their fingers together. Yep. That, that, the sound is masked. And in games, it's so important that we convey information to our players that we have to be very, very on top of making sure important sounds aren't masked. Mm-hmm. And one way to do that is through this automatic ducking systems or even more manual ducking systems where it might not be bus-related at all. Yeah. It might just be tied to a specific event. So our whoosh has made it to our bus. It is turning down the BGs because the BGs aren't as, the BGs are ambiences. The ambiences aren't as important as the whoosh. And now we have, like, a pretty well-mixed sound. And that would be the lifespan of one sound effect. And I yep. think we've gone super overtime. So so back to the, the header that we put at the beginning. Yeah. Tell us what, uh, what we missed. Because we just did one sound effect. So, okay, so we just did a whoosh. Yeah. BGs are going to be treated differently. Ambiences, sorry. Ambiences are going to be treated differently. Uh, dialogue is going to be treated differently. Dialogue is going to be treated way differently. Yeah. So... It's it's a whole thing, but I think we've done a pretty good job of outlining it for somebody that knows nothing. Yeah. Right? And I think we did okay with our dictionary stuff. <laughs> with our, I think we covered most of the lingo. I think lingo. we hit both most of the lingo. Yeah. I know there's one in there that you did, and I was oh. like, ah, and then I totally forgot what it was. Oh, but, we missed it. Yeah. It'll, we'll get it. So do we have any actual we, questions? So now, the usual thing. Twitter I've, questions. Twitter questions. Um, got... Two on Twitter, and I think two or three on Facebook. Good. Oh, okay. Got a lot of questions. That was in like an hour. Yeah, I know. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, Renny Coronado asked, super awesome sound designer from Dallas, yep. does the Tone Penders podcast. When you finish listening to our podcast, go, go listen, listen to, to his Tone podcast, Tone Penders. It's awesome. Um, throwing sounds over the wall. How do you approach this at an asset level? Um, I don't do those games very but if, often. But when you have to. Um, I haven't, I've also haven't done one in quite a while. Honestly, like it's so... I'm, I First, I make sure I have such a tight contract for those. Yep. Um, but if it's just... I will do my mix in my DAW. Yep. So I know I can't do any ducking. Yep. I know I can't mix things mm-hmm. uh, dynamically. Mm-hmm. So I have to come up with as good of a static mix as possible. Yeah. So that means I will design my ambiences first mm-hmm. or my music. A lot of the time, though, when it's over the wall, you don't get you don't necessarily get as much control over which sounds you get to make, too, which is a yeah. But usually I'm going to want ambiences or there's going to be music. Mm-hmm. I will bring those right into my DAW, and I'll yeah. give them their own tracks. So they're just playing the whole... They, so you I just can, create over top of yeah, them. Yeah, I create over top of yeah. them. I'll turn them on and off. Yeah, but, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I'll just... I'll. I, I know working with Power Up a long time ago, we have to we had to do this a lot, mm-hmm. and I think they would usually just take whatever uh, Riley's mix was and we drop it like ten dB, yeah, and that would be a pretty good plug and play uh, level, yeah, and then we design over that and do make and do our mix in DAW over that and then yep. export at those levels at those mix rather levels. than mix rather than exporting at high levels. Usually, if you have middleware, yeah, you export loud because you can't turn up in Unity; you can only turn down. Right, so you bounce out at full volume. Yeah. And then make your adjustments. And you in. bake and you have to bake in all your effects. Yep. Um, so the reverb's baked in. Yeah. I think to me that's the biggest 
change is that you have to mix at the asset level. Yeah. And you just, that's what you do. You mix at the asset level. Um, it's not I'd, ideal, but you can still, you can make it work. I did do it by choice yep. uh, recently on the Rack 7 game jam that we did. Mm -hmm. And we got a good sounding game out of yep. it. Because I knew what the game was going to be. I knew it was going to be sparse. Yep. So I, kn I knew I didn't need to do things like side, chain, side chaining and dynamic mixing. Yep. I knew we were going to have a sparse, minimalistic background. Um, with sparse sounds, and it was going to take all. It was all going to take place in one environment. Right. And we got second place in the audio. Award, yeah, there so. you go. Way to go. Because somebody with a song won. <laughs> so, so mix mix at the assets. Yeah. I think that's the biggest piece of advice there. Um, and get an ironclad contract. Ironclad contract. <laughs> uh, Christoph asked, when working on personal projects, better to put in lots of hours at once or have a regular routine with a short time span, thirty to sixty minutes. My feeling is that it's a very personal question of how uh, how you work, yeah. how your time plays out in life. You know, like I'm I'm doing side project stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I work a full day, then I go home, I spend time, have dinner with my girlfriend, relax a little bit, and then I'm like, I now have an hour to put into a side project. Yeah. Um, and so that's what works for me versus, you know, me working a full day and coming home and going, Hi, Tanya, I'm going to go straight to my computer and, you know, microwave a burrito and, like, not talk to anybody and work for another four hours. It's like, well, I know mentally that's not healthy for me. Yeah. That might work for other people, though. They're, they're just like, you know what? Everybody who's friends with me and knows me, I'm I'm got this passion project and I'm just going to, like, go for it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to spend a week. I'm going to disappear for a week and I'm going to come out with a done thing. Yeah. It's you know? nice when you get to do that. Right. Which um, is cool. So it's it's to me, it's very personal. Like, what works for you? I think from a business perspective, yep. from somebody that does a lot of tallying of hours yep. and has spreadsheets, it is much more efficient to devote larger chunks of time, mm -hmm. as, as large of chunks of time as you can to any given project mm -hmm. um, at any given period, because every time you switch projects, yep. you have basically tear down and set up time. Yep. You have to close sessions. You have to open sessions. You have to remember where all the files are allocated. There's that whole uh, headspace so thing. The more, th the more times you do that, yeah. the, you lose time every time you do that. So if you can work on working one project on your DAW all day, mm -hmm. you're saving yourself time. Yeah. There's that, that whole headspace thing, too, that they talk about in, in offices and stuff, that every interruption, like you don't mm -hmm. go from doing X to being interrupted. Yeah. And going back to X, like you go X to Y to X, you don't like do that instantaneously. There's a big ramp up time yeah. to get back into where you were in the first thing. Right. Programmers will talk about it all the time that like that's why like some programmers will just like ignore you when you come over, you know, to talk to them and stuff. It's because like they're in this headspace and they can't lose it. Yeah. Like the losing the headspace like loses them an hour. Yeah. To like figure it out again. So like as a supervisor, it I, I I have a lot of problems with it. Yeah. Because we're I don't know, we'll be working with seven to twelve clients and I can't ignore them. Yeah. So when I'm also trying to create content, it's mm -hmm. it's tough. So if if you can't devote as much time as you can, but maybe you can't devote enough. And and if you can only devote an hour, yeah. you can now do an hour a day. Just try as much as you can to streamline your onboarding process for working that day. So that it like it's like maybe on the bus ride home from from your day job. You're thinking about the, all the things that you want to get done that night in the hour you've got. So you've got a plan going into it. You're not like, right, time to work, sitting in front of my computer. What am I doing? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, so you can do what you can to maximize the time you've got available. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. 
that. Now to Facebook. All right. Nick, Nish, N-I-C-H. That would be Nick, That'd probably. Be Nick. Short for Nicholas. Yep. Uh, do you have any recent workflow improvements that made you more productive, faster, that you'd like to share? Um, I don't think I have anything new right now. I mean, switching to Reaper for me. Yep. It's not super recent, but it's uh, growing. I, I love having uh, folders within folders Yep. Um, in Reaper. Like, being able to mix at that level mm-hmm. is really nice. Yep. Uh, because I can just put all my global effects in the top folder that are, are going to be on every single... Um, it's basically a master track, basically. But yep. I just... I like the look of it. Cool. Um, I mean, I haven't been super hands-on with a lot of uh, asset creation yeah. lately. Um, I've got Keyboard Maestro staring me in the face that I know I need to do some scripts for. and oh, like yeah, I'm, I kn- I'm deep into that. Yeah. I, like, I know that there is things that I could be doing with that that would... Sp- speed me up but mm-hmm. I just haven't done it <laughs> yeah just Reaper custom actions is what I, I'm if you're consistently in, tucking into if, if you're in in PT land the keyboard maestro will give you like a lot of that a massive amount of it as yeah. well so there's it's not DOS specific you can you can make macros it that is, will help you um, OS specific though keyboard maestro yes there's a different one there's for, a different there's one for windows keys. yeah or which one's for which quick quick keys is for windows uh, or are they both for Mac? No, Quick Keys was the old one. Yeah. And Keyboard Maestro has kind of replaced it because exactly. it stopped being developed. I don't know the name of it, but I know there is one for Windows. Yeah. Or else you can get yourself a Oh no, it's not as complex, but I just use my I use my MMO RPG yeah, yeah, yeah. mouse and it comes with a bunch of macro yeah. commands that you can install on it. So, yeah. It's wonderful. Macroland. Just macros. get into macros. Um, favorite examples of character sound design without dialogue? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe Don't Starve? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people really like Undertale. That's another one that's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. people have, have done. I mean, I hate always defaulting to Play Dead, but that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Inside just sounded really good. Yep. Um, there was, like, there are vocalizations, but mm-hmm. um, they're really But they're not dialogue. Done. Yeah. yeah, the about to drown sounds in play in, in insider. Yep, so disturbing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, uh, Jack Jack got us with two questions this time. Yeah, Jack's back. Jack's back. One troll and one not. All right. Well, Jack and Jack's back. Actually, Jack's not, not Seattle, even now, actually. It? Actually, that isn't. It's it's not a troll question. Jack had two legitimate questions. Tony gave the, the troll question. <laughs> okay. uh, so first question from Jack: Cable management techniques, if any. Um, got any good cable management techniques? Get, I, get NCIX to build your computer for you. <laughs> Don't do it yourself. Uh, internal it's, cable it's like, management. It's like $40. Yeah. Yeah. External cable management. Oh, no, I don't, I don't got shit. I just unplug things. <laughs> I unplug things and, and wrap my cables up. Uh, I do. If, prop- I, if things are getting crazy. Proper cable wrapping. Yeah. Learn to wrap a cable properly. Yeah, do that. Over, under, over, under. And twist as you go. Yeah, half twist. Nice circle. Do the half twist. Yeah, got to do that. Um, and then I've I've started getting that like double sided Velcro, and just oh, making yeah, li- making little cable ties for whatever. Yeah. Like it's e- real it's it's real easy to find like rolls of the stuff. So then you just cut off the amount you yeah. need. Am I looking at your roll up there? What's that green roll? Uh, no, that, that be, looks soft. Yeah. But you know, just oh, I got to wrap up a cable. Oh, okay, it's this this big. Grab a little thing, cut it off there. It's got its mm-hmm. own cable wrap now. Mm-hmm. It's cheap, it's easy, 
and I'll wrap bundles of stuff behind things too. If I've got like a bunch of cables coming out of the back of my computer to stuff, you know, Velcro, Velcro. Okay. That's pretty much it. And his next question, what's the new Wilhelm scream? The creak. The creak? The creak. For me, that's my that's my personal most hated sound. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a door creak and it's in everything. Yeah. That's more film, but if you use that in a game, I'll fucking find you. <laughs> uh, I, I know there's been some uh, effort to make the um, the mummy trailer sounds that were re- oh yeah released on their own yeah to to make those into the new Wilhelm that would be pretty. Good. I know there are some people that were like trying to get that going. I mean, you might get sued, but yeah, it might be worth <laughs> you it. Might, you might get sued. It might be worth it. Um, and then Tony asked, "What's the old Wilhelm scream?" Can you play that a few times to remind us? <laughs> I don't think either of us own the library, do we? No, I don't think so. I don't own it. I've never used it. When I worked on uh, Penny Arcade Adventures with Hothead Games, mm-hmm. we recorded our own Wilhelm scream. We got one of the voice actors to, like, ape it as damn close as they could get. Right. It sounded like it, and then we put that into the game. Like, Amazing. There, we've got our own Wilhelm scream. That's a Wilhelm scream. It's dedication to a joke. Yeah, no kidding. Jeez, it's an expensive joke. (laughs) 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 And that was our questions. That's it. This Um, is a long one. So thanks for listening. Uh, Like we said, hit us back with questions and comments. William, this one's for you. Yeah, sure. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye.